This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 538, recorded on July 14th, 2022. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorites, tech gadgets that find their way into your home, news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studio here in a super hot, I think we're 100 and something tomorrow, Bellevue, Nebraska. Ed, I know Ed Sullivan's with us tonight. Ed, I know you're on the East Coast. You've got some right. heat coming, right? You're coming right behind us. It's um, we'll be hitting difficult. the 90s before long. You know, yeah. it, it's unusual for us to see 100 out here, but I was in Las Vegas. When mm. was that? Last weekend for the mm-hmm. most part. It was about 111 there. But it's dry heat. Oh, it's yeah. It's dry heat. So it's not, it's, <laughs> it's basically <fine>. air conditioning. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> right? of which, I'm going to switch mine off, even though you can't. Oh yeah, don't worry. Don't don't worry about it. But um, yeah, Ed's is uh, fresh back from Vegas. He is the producer and host over there at the Cigar Authority. And uh, but today we're going to talk about bikes. And uh, Ed is kind of to talk about. Ed, how how long have you been? How long have you been biking? So, I actually started biking after I quit cigarette smoking, which would be thirty four years ago. And I sort of made a rule, okay, I can spend whatever I used to on cigarettes on bicycles. Uh, I think (laughs) over the years I've spent more on bicycles than I would have spent on cigarettes, although it's probably close. Yeah. And so I, I started riding mountain bikes back then and have continued to ride, you know, different years, you get different amounts of riding in because I I was traveling a lot for my job back in the day. And, you know, once I retired five and a half years ago, I was getting good cycling in until 2019. You remember that, Mm -hmm. the whole Mm -hmm. COVID thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, Jim, it just got to be not fun. You remember at the beginning, well, if you go out running, you got to mask up and you get people would yell at you. And you're in you're Massachusetts riding. and they're, they they yeah. were taking it super seriously. Very, very seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I sort of never got going in 2019. So uh, when 2020 came around, I thought, okay, it's time to get back into it and got into the season a little late. So all of a sudden I'm just getting into it and it's getting to be the end of August. So at that point, I thought, okay, I want to carry this through this year. So I went out and had a look at the Peloton and decided, okay, I'm going to get one of these. So part of that is, and Peloton for me, you know, they've got a lot of negative press lately, I think. (laughs) Yeah, have some business problems. Not necessarily. I mean, they did have that, they had that um, treadmill problem. The treadmill one. I I haven't heard problems with the bikes, although then there were a couple of TV shows where they felt it necessary to put the Peloton in the show and have people have heart attacks and fall off the Peloton, Mm -hmm. which I don't think was the Peloton's fault. (laughs) You never know. But, um, you know, it's not, let's say it's not a cheap date to get into this. And if you look at it, 
They had the original one they introduced, which um, right now I think is at $1,445. There we go. And then the they came out with one after that, the Bike Plus, which it adds $500. But big difference there is, you know, they, they upgrade the display on that. Um, I think you get better speakers on that one, but the big difference is it automatically adjusts resistance, mm. right? So when the instructor says, okay, now you should be at this, you don't have to touch the thing. It just does it all for you. Mm-hmm. Is all of that worth $500? Well, to me it was, but um, it's very much the same experience except for those slight differences. The The problem I have with it is, uh, okay, you bought this thing and now they want, uh, I, it just went up recently, $44 a month <laughs> to actually yeah. get the subscription. Now, you can certainly use the thing without that descri- uh, subscription, but then you're not getting all the benefit of it. And I think you, Jim, actually signed up for just the app, which is an option also. Yeah, You've been doing it, that for a while, right? I think yeah, I I did it a couple times actually when I and, and I I enjoyed the times. It never translated to my workouts here at at home. We had a stationary bike at work, not and not mm-hmm. even close to like Peloton. But I would put the you know put my phone up on that had a little phone stand on it, and I would watch the workouts. And I'd get, I mean, I got some pretty good workouts in just using the app. And I think that's fifteen, maybe twelve, fifteen a month to. Just right. subscribe to their workouts, you know? Yeah, twelve ninety nine. And yeah. you know, anyone that's ever said I'm going to the gym to ride the stationary bike, it's very easy to sit there and do next to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. turning the pedals and yeah. you yeah. know, t- taking in the view at the gym. So I I find it very helpful to have the structure of their workouts and they've got a whole bunch of different kinds of workouts, but Part of it is for me, it seems expensive at 44 because it's just me. I'm the only one riding the bike, and they do offer a lot of other things. You've got the treadmill stuff. I think there's weight training, there's yoga in there, and you can actually have the entire household with accounts. So, you know, if you've got three or four people in the household, then the 44 doesn't seem as expensive. But uh, part of the reason I liked the Peloton is that they give you pretty good riding metrics, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't have gotten, but you may have seen them on some of the gym bikes, um, you know, heart rate monitor. So you'll get heart rate. They'll show you your current cadence. But the thing I really like is they actually show your power output. And so what does that, what does that mean? Like, cause what I've heard this term mean? Watts, right? Like, is that like a light bulb Watts or what, what does that mean? I've never been able to figure that out. So they figure the wattage and I don't know if that, aside from being a measurement, I don't know how interesting the calculation of it is, but it really relates to the gear that you're in and the RPM, right? So you could be in a, a lower gear with a higher RPM, and that would be 
functionally equivalent to, you know, a high gear, low RPM. But in general, what do I have here for stats? A beginning cyclist might be 75 to 100 watts per hour or watts in a one hour period. So you're maintaining that 75 to 100. Um, you know, they say a fit person will be over 100. And the Tour de France, which I know you're watching, they'll put out about 400 watts per hour <laughs> for, you know, five or six hours in a row. Those guys are crazy. That is, oh, I, yeah. a, I don't know what inspired me to watch Tour de France, but I, I guess I saw one of the extended uh, highlights of it on YouTube. Yeah. Maybe it was, I think it was uh, day two. And I started watching it and I just said, you know, I've never watched an entire tour. This is going to be the year. I'm going to catch the, not, not the full, you can't watch the full version. That's, yeah. that's way, it's five hours. It's way too long. Mm -hmm. But I catch the 45 minute NBC, you know, extended highlights, I think is what they call yeah. it. They have a highlights and then an extended highlights. And already, so we're, we're 12 days in, and I think already, like, I'm, I'm like, oh, well, this is... You're kind of hooked, kinda, huh? This is kind of interesting. Like, this is kind of fun. I think them having the summaries at the end of the day, you know, they'll edit it down to, uh, what do they have, about a, a five-minute version and then a, a 45-minute version? So yeah, yeah. The five's and, a little short, actually. I like that 45. Yeah. You don't get any of the, in the five, you don't get any of the drama. Yesterday was quite the drama as the yellow shirt guy. He's the, yep. he's the leader lost, lost his shirt <laughs> and, uh, to somebody else. And, and it, there's a right. whole bunch of drama involved. Now and to be like, clear, he's not just riding bare chested. Now he <laughs> has the his team jersey. Off. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just ripped the yellow shirt right <laughs> off of him as he passed. And then no, have you figured out the polka dot one yet, Jim? Uh, King King of the Mountain is the uh, is the polka dot green, uh, sprint champion or sprint yeah, point yeah. leader, and white. Like that. Is that the overall point leader? No, no, the white is a a new rider, okay. so it's sort of like um, the, the rookie shirt, the rookie of the of the race so far, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah but, well, and John's asking. Uh, you know, whether I try to bike within a specific heart rate zone. So that is certainly a method of training that a lot of people use. I actually um, do more on the power training. So they sort of define seven different power zones, which will get you into certain heart rate ranges. You know, if you're in zone three zone four for a sustained time then you're probably at 80 percent heart rate range so it's the higher zones in the power training are are definitely going to push push you to anaerobic levels mm -hmm. but um i kind of prefer the power because it, it's a set measurement right i don't know about you jim but um you probably when you're out running when you were a runner you remember that jim uh, it's a long time ago now it feels like but no, right no. but no, depending no. on any number of gym variables like you're tired or right. you know right. you didn't get enough sleep you'd see it's really the same effort you're putting out for different heart rate results right so mm -hmm. the power zones don't really lie 
you know, it is what it is. And it's sort of interesting with the power zone training. I'll usually know a couple days in advance when I'm getting sick, Mm. (laughs) right? Before the actual symptoms show up. And you may have noticed that too, when you're, you were running, it'd be like, wow, the heart rate's really high today. I I didn't feel like I was pushing that hard. I wish I had trained to more heart rate. I didn't train with heart rate in mind. I kind of trained for distance or for comfort or for, I just didn't in those days, I never wore a heart rate monitor. And then the watches weren't, we still didn't have the heart rate in the watches when I was running. So I just didn't pay much attention to it. The other thing that doesn't impact you when you're riding indoors is um, even if I ride the, the same route every time, and I can look at, did I ride it faster this time than last time? Well, you've got more factors on the road, especially wind, <laughs> right? So I may have uh, potentially ridden slower overall, but put out more power mm-hmm. <laughs> for that particular effort. So wow. I'm a, a big fan of power, but the the problem is not so much on the Peloton, but now when you want it on your bicycle on the road that doesn't come cheap (laughs) well okay so you're not taking your so you got all this peloton gear and data right i do but then you want to go outside and you can't has peloton made like a bike device where you could take it with you no okay (laughs) so that would That'd be a great business opportunity. I never thought yeah, of that till uh, maybe till they now. should, you know. I know. Um, I know. They, you know, they you know your average bicycle going out the door of the bike shop is not going to give you any power measurement. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh I tend to I have it right here. I tend to like uh having a dedicated bicycle computer, which this is the Garmin. Um, these are not inexpensive. This one's probably, I don't know, 400 bucks, something like that. And the thing is, it, it sounds expensive, but it's got a lot of stuff in it, Jim. You know, it's got, uh, GPS, it's got Wi-Fi, it's got Bluetooth, it has an altimeter in it, it's got a temperature sensor in it. So you really get a lot of data with it. And for me, I'd rather not have my phone mounted mm. on the handlebars mm. why now i just uh i don't know maybe it's more me jim than anything else it's just always been uh i'd rather have my phone available i don't mm-hmm. talk a lot on my phone when i'm riding but <laughs> sometimes i do pull the phone out and the other thing is i don't necessarily want to use the phone battery as much, you know, I want to make sure I still have battery in the phone. This will last 30 plus hours on a charge. Mm -hmm. So I keep the phone separate, but if you have a phone and you don't have one of these, it's pretty easy to use your phone for the very same purpose. You know, there's a, a ton of applications out there for uh cycling and riding right now but you know for me yeah the challenge was okay now i got all these stats on my peloton Mm -hmm. and garmin's got their own portal and i got all my stats over on 
Garmin's portal for my rides outdoors, and uh, I kind of can't compare them at all. So really what um, I looked at was a service called Strava, which um, I probably have a link here that I can share. Uh, it may not let you share it. I'll grab it and throw it in. There. Yeah, let me find it. But um, Strava is actually, uh, they have a web portal as well as uh, an application that runs on iPhone and on Android. Let's see. This one sounds promising. Dashboard, Strava. Let's try this one. So Strava's actually got a a pretty well-defined API, which is probably why there are more integrations with this than anything else. So I could actually go right over to the Peloton and tell it to send the data to Strava at the completion of a workout. And... You can see I've been riding indoors more lately, had some rain, or I can do the same thing with Garmin. So you can see this is one of the Peloton workouts with your favorite, Jim, Dennis Morton. I like Dennis. Dennis (laughs) Dennis Dennis is crazy. He is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I've got uh, this one that came from the Garmin and you get the the whole route this was just an out and back to concord center and they'll give you all kinds of stats Uh, that one was 135 watts average for that ride they give you you know calories burned all kinds of stuff so the garmin at the garmin's not connected to the bike like the like you would expect you know the peloton kind of is monitoring the cranks and cycle times and stuff like that. Yeah. So when you're getting Garmin Watts, are they calculating that based on like the data that they have available from, right. from a, so no, you've got to buy a power meter, Jim. Ah, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, there we the go. one I've got is yeah. sort of old school back in the old days. It was, all of the electronics of it were incorporated into the hub in the wheel. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to go buy a hub, have somebody build you a bicycle wheel. Uh, Around the hub, right? Yeah. So it was not a cheap proposition. You'd be into that for over a thousand dollars by the time you were done with that. And at that time, uh, that stuff was all, you remember Ant Plus protocol Mm -hmm. right that that was a big one with cycling and sports and i think it was pretty valid at one point even when bluetooth was out bluetooth was certainly flakier back in the day Mm -hmm. (laughs) but now it just makes a lot of sense for people to buy bluetooth gear so if you decide okay i'm going iphone you can just get a bluetooth heart rate monitor and the iPhone app will pick that up. They also integrate with uh, Bluetooth power meters. And the other option is uh, a, uh, 
a cadence sensor. Most of the power meters can calculate cadence, but if you want, okay, how fast am I pedaling? Then you can spend less money and just get a cadence sensor that'll integrate with these things as well. Uh, yeah, John wants to know if the Garmin has sensors that attach to the crank and another to the front fork. The way I've got mine set up right now is uh, the power meter is in the hub on mine. So that gives me both power and cadence. It can figure out the cadence based the on hub, that. The hub is the pedals. Is that where the pedals are? Is that the hub? Is that what you? No, is this is the the hub in the wheel. In the wheel, in the back wheel. In the back wheel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But okay. nowadays they're making some that uh, they're actually integrated into the pedals, right? Mm-hmm. So you could buy a pair of power meter pedals. Now, Garmin, um, Garmin's power meter pedals are, I think, about $1,200. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they come so, with toe clips and the, and the shoes that you need and they massage oh, your feet. None of that. No? None of that. <laughs> uh, there's an interesting company that uh, makes for Shimano road pedals. They actually make a replacement spindle. Right, so the the spindle in the pedal, you replace them with the power meter spindles, okay. and those will give you the same functionality, which is is helpful for somebody that's got multiple bicycles, because you could just okay, you got to pop the pedals off, but with a pedal wrench, that uh, uh, that's pretty easy to do. Brian's got a good point. The bike accessories can quickly cost more than the bike several times over. Yeah, the thing about that, Brian, is that the people who are spending this kind of money on the accessories already spent a fortune on the bicycle. So I've got a um, a custom-built titanium bike that I bought. uh, It's probably going on 15 years ago, but at the time, just that frame was, as I recall, about $6,000. It's just the frame, right? And then all of a sudden when you're starting with that and adding, you know, all the components to that, that one even, you know, 15 years ago came out over $10,000 for that bicycle. So Mm -hmm. unless you're really into it, I don't think you even, uh, you even go the power meter route for somebody who's just getting into this. uh, Most of the, most folks, if you want to do that, you know, just go with a, a heart rate zone training if you want to track progress on it. And that's a lot simpler. You don't need all these fancy sensors. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, um, this, this is my major hobby. Yeah, a little bit more than a huffy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because Jim hopes to get a bike that powers itself for. Yeah, we'll ta- we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that till the end. I, for for about a... about the price of the uh, power meter spindles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's worth it's worth the question. The question I think is worth asking. So we'll we'll kind of talk about that um, uh, uh, towards the end. So Ed, you've got all this data coming in. Um, and it's all coming in to Strava. 
do you spend you do you do you obsess much about your data at all or is, is i just... used to really obsess about it and now it's sort of more uh just check in from time to time how are we doing um because you'll see from the the time you start the cycling season especially with a winter off in new england until you get to the end of the season you'll see you know remarkable improvement in the average power um you know back back when i was riding uh more steadily i would um, normally on a ride be closer to 200 watts of power of course then again i was younger too right so <laughs> part of it is you get to a certain age and it's probably not healthy to obsess too much over these stats because you're never going to match what you did in the past, you know? So it's sort of like, let's just, let's just get a base at the beginning of the season, whatever that is, which is way less than it used to be, (laughs) but just build from where you're at. Or you don't see as fast of improvements. I mean, you can improve. Absolutely. They just don't come come as fast. Sometimes they don't, you know, And, and listen, everybody's, everybody's mileage might vary. You, you know, any kind of workouts, you drop a bunch of weight and you're probably going to see some improvements in your workouts because you're not carrying all that extra weight, right? Well, and that's an interesting thing, right? Uh, For me, I can track the watts, but uh, it's not meaningful necessarily from person to person. And what what people tend to... uh, talk about is watts per kilogram Mm. right because if i'm putting out 135 and somebody who weighs 140 pounds is putting out 135 they're going a lot faster than i am Mm. yeah they just less just less mass right to have to pull up the hill or push down the hill or you know just just push in general you know as i was looking at some stuff for this uh let me find that link. I, I saw sort of a an interesting, um, interesting stationary bike that is not a Peloton. And where did I put it? I got too many links, Jim. <laughs> uh, uh, John oh, yeah. says less less muscle to generate power. Well, yeah, true. Mass muscle does weigh more. There's just weird, you know, there's just weird time as you're if you're overweight and you're losing weight, and if you're working out and putting on muscle mass, yeah. muscle weighs more than than fat. And so there'll be this time where you'll plateau, right? Well now here's a stationary bike that uh you attach your, your power pack to it. And actually charge that so you can charge your devices. So you, you're not wasting all the power yeah, yeah. <laughs> pedaling that bike. And it's a good idea. I think somebody in here it refers to it a as a lot of human effort to generate power. Like we, we always kind of think like, like, man, when I'm riding my bike, if I could just be charging something and you're like, yeah, the human doesn't actually do a good, very good job of being a a, you know, a good generation of power by itself. It's, we're just not heavy enough. We don't have enough push or enough thrust. So yeah. in this kind of situation, 
Yeah, you're gonna charge a battery. It's you're not gonna charge it a lot. All like, right. So so yeah. here's what they're saying in here, Jim. The average workout generates between 170 watt hours and 230 watt hours, enough to power a MacBook Pro 2.6 times and an iPhone 12 eight times. So I mean that's not bad. Get on that's in the morning, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know if it's worth uh, twenty two hundred and fifty dollars for this. So, that... <laughs> well, you're, and you're not going to power your oven or your air conditioner or like, you know, those those phone, you know, phones and laptops now are yeah. pretty pretty efficient, right? But uh, uh, they are, and you know, a lot of uh, back in the day, one of the problems used to be with all the the bike gear, the lights, and all of that stuff. It was all battery powered. Mm-hmm. And the LEDs weren't very good. A lot of the light manufacturers were using halogens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you'd have to lug around a lot of batteries, but a big old that, D, what was big old nine volt, you know, the <laughs> yeah. big square ones. Throw a car battery on the back. <laughs> you just added a couple pounds. But a lot of the, the lighting technology, it, for all lighting technology, but especially on the bikes is just a lot better than it used to be brighter lighting. Lighting is more efficient, right? Materials, materials are lighter. Clothing is better. I mean, just shoes alone in being able to get a vented pair of shoes that, you know, that are strong and yet allow air to come in, right. The, just the gear that you wear as well as the gloves, the, the, the nutrition, the, I mean, all that stuff is so much better. Well, at, uh, Tour de France, I don't remember the number anymore, but at one point, they actually had a, a uh, minimum bike weight. And I think this was meant for safety reasons, right? Don't, don't try to make it so light you're going to get yourself killed doing this. But the technology got so good and the parts got so light that uh, people were not making the minimum weight with the bike. Mm. So I remember at one tour, they were adding weights to the bike. <laughs> and that was uh, sort of missing the intent of the rule. <laughs> you know, right. Just put some lead right. weights on there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make it super light and then we'll make it heavy again. And uh, John's asking you, how do you hydrate? What's your, what's your strategy, uh, both yeah. inside and out? Yeah. So, uh, Hydration. That that was always my favorite company slogan was Camelback. You, do you remember their slogan? Oh. Hydrate or die. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, that about sums it up. Uh, you know, always the hydration strategy is drink before you're thirsty. So what what does that mean in real terms? Uh, I think the the large water bottles now on the bike are 24 ounce or something like that. So if I'm out on a hot day, it's a minimum for me of one bottle per hour. And it's one of those things where the toughest thing for me is to remember to do that. Right. right. So I always at the top of any hill, no matter how small, I just decide, okay, I'm going to have a drink. And <laughs> that's sort of the trigger uh, to keep me drinking. Uh, for now, on an hour ride, 
uh, John, I, I'm drinking water. Uh, way back in the day, though, I used to do some ultra-distance events. And there was one year where I had this crazy thought that I would do the Boston-Montreal-Boston ride. And it's exactly what it sounds like, Jim. You ride up to Boston or uh, Montreal, and you turn around and ride back, and that's a twelve hundred kilometer ride mm. with a time limit of ninety hours. Mm. <laughs> so that one had a whole different strategy, right? Because you you had to have a nutrition strategy as well as a hydration strategy. But uh, I don't tend to lately ride more than a couple of hours at a time so the two big bottles on the bike will do it for me and you know with the uh with the peloton indoors well eh, there's only virtual hills which isn't as good a trigger for me so i just try to make sure that i'm getting some uh some water into the body every five minutes or so anyway but um you know, back in the day, I did. Uh, if you're riding long distances, sometimes I found the Gatorade to be a little bit much to be drinking a whole ton of it. So I usually just diluted the Gatorade. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, other than that, uh, the problem on the long ones, the longest I ever did in the qualification rides after I did a 300 kilometer ride where it was 96 degrees in the heat of the day, I decided, yeah, this long distance stuff is not for me. <laughs> this is really, I was riding with my brother too, who weighs 140 pounds. So he'd float up these. It, what, what I didn't realize is that these qualifier rides, this is for Boston, Montreal, Boston. So they looked for every hill they could find on the 300 kilometers and he'd, it float up the hill like a butterfly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, working a lot harder than him to get up those hills. But um, that was long day on the bike because I think the ride started at 3 a.m. So you had to have lights. And uh, at that time, yeah, the LEDs weren't, uh, weren't available. So I was riding with a dyno hub, which generates power. So this was a a front hub that generates power to power a halogen light Mm -hmm. as well as a rear light. It's taken a little bit of, I mean, to do that, it's taking not much, but it is taking some of your effort, some of your momentum. away. Sure. Yeah. There's some loss of efficiency in that. Um, But, you know, I think uh, for for most folks, water is going to carry you unless you're out for yeah, on a very, right. if you're really out on a very hot day, you probably want some electrolytes. And there were times where I'd take a bottle of Gatorade in one bottle and water in the other one. Mm-hmm. But well, and I like you know I like to mix them on the races. They you know they would the they would make the Gatorade from powder and mm-hmm. they would automatically dilute it. Sure. And so it was, I made that mistake so many times, Ed, when I was running marathons was, you know, you'd get out in the first half and it felt good and you're all trained up and you're just out there running around, you know, high-fiving people. And 
you just don't drink enough and you don't no. eat enough. And I, I was always afraid like, well, I get a cramp or, you know, whatever. And, and it is, it's a big deal. You got to get, I, I just, I always made that mistake. I never drank early enough. Really. Once you fall behind on the hydration, you don't catch up. No, no. You know, that not, was not all to like three days later. You're just drinking for like three <laughs> days trying to get rehydrated, you know? Yeah. And that was always uh, what people would tell you. Drink before you're thirsty and eat before you're hungry. Yeah. Although yeah. for me, I don't know. You probably didn't have a lot of eating to do on the long runs, but. Um, you'd want to consume quite a few on a marathon. You want to get quite a few calories in before, you know, you'll bonk pretty hard at 20 if you're not. And that I always yeah. did. Cause I never, you know, I'd have shot blocks and some of those kinds of things to, and then in most of the marathons, they'd have stops, you know, not stops, but they'd have people yeah. along the way with stuff. And I just never, I should, I never should. I always felt like, no, I don't need that. And that's so dumb. I should have, I, you know, I should have hydrated and ate every station. I'm yep. a big guy to begin with. So it takes a lot of calories to move this guy, you know, well, 26.2 miles. Yeah. And I used to ride a lot of, uh, century rides, hundred miles. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, always made that mistake of, okay, I'll just skip the 25 mile stop. <laughs> we'll hit it at 50. And by then. Might be too late. Yeah. Well, it was always a pride thing for me. I'd be like, I don't need that. You know, these runners are pulling over at the water station. The very first one, you know, we're at like yeah. two miles, three. And then, you know, people are grabbing water and I'm like, I'm too good for that. Like, I don't, I don't need that. No, I should have, I should have grabbed that. And, uh, you know, for early on, that would have probably yeah. served me well. Well, and those, uh, those blocks and the liquid goo were just kind of disgusting. They're, they're awful. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Yeah. So yeah, I was a, more a fan of the cliff bars. Mm -hmm. Those were big, but stuff would get stuck in your teeth. And then as you're riding, you were never sure. Did I just eat a bug or was that a cliff bar remnant? <laughs> and I figured you're just better off not knowing either way. No, it is protein. So you're good. You're okay. <laughs> you're okay. Not a lot way. of carbs, not a lot of carbs in the bug, but you know, you still be, you'd still be okay with it. Yeah. There's a whole to these ultra or these long distance events. There's a whole strategy. And I, I know you did. And I found myself, you start obsessing about like, I, yeah. when, when I was preparing for marathons, I was either running, preparing to run or recovering from running. That's, that's the only three activities I was doing. You know, I was working and such, but you're just always thinking about like, what's the next run? Yeah. How, you know, do I have enough? What am I going to take with me? Do I need to go stage calories or, or hydration? Do I need to go stage it? Like we'd literally go out, drive out and hide liquid so that we right. could, you know, you could grab it on your run and not have to carry it. You know? uh, yeah. That, that was a, a bit of a problem when I was training for some of these longer rides, right? You have to figure out, Okay, I got to go out and ride a hundred miles today, unsupported. You know, I don't know where I'm going to find water. I don't know whether I'll get lost. Although that's easier these days because of all the mapping functions on. Even the Garmin has maps, and of course, cell phones are much better now. Uh, 
John Biggs says during the Disney marathon, about three quarters of the way through, they offered Hershey's miniatures. No thanks. One of my favorite things, Jim, when I was out for those long rides, it wasn't Hershey miniatures, but the payday candy bar. Oh, yeah. Because uh, mm-hmm. you've got some protein with the nuts. You've got some sugar. <laughs> it's really, on some of the long rides, that was the only time where I would drink regular Coca-Cola. That, oh, that'll so revive you too. when you bonk, too. Yes. It'll just at least give you that so shot of sugar. <laughs> so delicious. It's <laughs> You drink it, and it's like, this is the best Coke. I've, like, they must have made this just for me, because this is the best Coke ever. You know, yeah. you're so thirsty. I've Listen, I like pizza when I'm mm. running. Like, if I, can, I can't, like, eat it on the run. I need to stop. But... Yeah. For we were doing some distance running and you could, you know, we just unsupported, take some breaks. And Casey's pizza just was so and people would be like, Oh, that'd kill me. No, your body, your body's pretty efficient at that point. It just smokes it, you know. Well, and and mountain bikers always seem to favor burritos. They oh, yeah. love those burritos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, uh probably wasn't the best choice, but you know, you go out to do the century rides early in the morning, and you really should eat something before you get on the bike. My meal of choice was uh, two sausage egg McMuffins mm-hmm. <laughs> just on the way to the ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, right on. That would carry me for a while because it's a longish day even, you know, if you're riding a century. You got to ride to finish in five hours. You got to ride 20 miles an hour with no stops. So when you factor it from there, it's going to be, you know, even if you're moving along somewhere between five and six hours of sustained effort. Yeah. Listen, you get ultra athletes or just any athletes that go, you know, anything more than a 10 K and it always defaults to, to calories and, and hydration. Yeah. For whatever reason, I, I just, I think we, we could spend all show talking about that. I want to ask other, other tech that you have found helpful. If you think about, you know, just your kind of your average writer, anything in that, that other stuff you found helpful tech wise. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if this one is helpful or just a little over the top, but, uh, my brother rides quite a bit, and he told me this one is a must-have. Let's see if I can find it. So what happens when you got two dozen links? Well, you 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 prepared well for the show. That's that's the. I'm going to spin it as you you did a lot of preparation. <laughs> well, part of it is I had them all lined up in the order you intend to go in, but yeah, then yeah, you no, kind of meander a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Throw uh, that up on the share the screen, and I'll uh, I'll toss it up there. Now, this is an interesting piece of tech from Garmin. Uh, it's radar with with a built in tail light and also a camera hmm. so you know you'd mount this on the back of the seat post uh, and my garmin unit is integrated with this so you get notification when there's cars coming up behind you 
which is particularly helpful for uh, some of these damn Teslas that sneak up on you, Jim. <laughs> I know those those Tesla drivers are just the worst, right? Those no sound, they're just sneaking up on you. And I mean, really, depending on the the speed, uh, you should be able to hear tire noises from any car, but. Um, you know, some folks seem to insist on wearing headphones when they're riding a bicycle, which I would never in my life do. No, it's crazy. <laughs> What's the name of this of this unit? Uh, this is called Varia. It's made by Garmin. And, you know, I've seen other ones that are kind of interesting for night riding where they'll actually project a line on the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the drivers but um you know having ridden a lot at night in some of these long distance events i find that uh, most drivers tend to give you more space at night than they do during the day okay you know as long as you're well lit mm-hmm. they sort of come up on you and think oh my gosh what the heck is that and they'll mm-hmm. tend to slow down and give you a wider berth whereas during the day, they might buzz by you a foot from your pedal on the roadside of it. So, do do when you think about being lit in the sense of your bike being lit? Yeah. Do do you are flashing strobes better than a, just a solid light on or a reflector? What does it, is there any thought on that of what's better? I think the flashing strobes are a mixed bag for me. You know, they're going to get somebody's attention, but they are also likely to be more annoying Mm -hmm. to a driver. I mean, if you're on a dark road, they're going to see a solid light anyway. But uh, I have noticed some folks use them daylight time, too. Mm -hmm. And the flash is still noticeable. And, you know, you've been out in my neighborhood. You go from sun to shade to trees. So, uh, you know, sometimes you'll you'll definitely notice a rider who's way up ahead in the shade mm-hmm. much sooner if they're running a flashing light on the back. So the other thing, too, is uh, one thing that can be helpful is some kind of side lighting doesn't have to be flashing maybe something passive so when i rode a lot at night i would tend to put some uh, reflective tape even on the wheel rim or something just so that if you're being lit from the side by a, mm-hmm. an oncoming car at least it's more discernible getting t-boned is just as painful as uh, getting hit <laughs> from behind it, right? it absolutely is and uh, you know, for me, the the worry was, uh, uh, yeah, Justin sort of agrees. He, he doesn't like the flashing. It's harder to tell distance with the flashing, mm-hmm. I think, in some yeah. regards. And, and, and it may, for some, for some drivers, may confuse them. No, and honestly, these, uh, these LEDs are bright enough if you're just running a, a fixed red led in the back at night you're still going to be visible from a a very long distance and the other thing too is uh 
if you're riding, well, I suppose at dusk, you may only have um, the light in the back. But if you're, ride, if you're riding with a front light as well, I mean, a driver even from a distance is going to see the light in the back as well as the fact that you're lighting the road with your front light as well. Mm-hmm. So overall, yeah, I feel like drivers give me more space at night with lights on. Okay. Okay. However, then you got to start worrying. Okay, well, have they been out to the bar tonight? Or? <laughs> yeah, Friday night's probably not a great night to be out biking. In uh, no, and over the years, it, it's become way more of a concern with me uh, with distracted drivers. <laughs> you know, people who are busy looking at their texts are not noticing whether you have a a solid light or a flashing light. No. What about, um, what about gearing? So, you know, I, I think way back to my Schwinn 10 speeds when the, yeah. you know, you had the gears down on the, down on the frame and then those, they got moved up to the top of the frame, right. And shifters have certainly taken on a whole new, I mean, there's just so much technology in those now. Do you prefer to go manual or do you like, I know there's some auto shift stuff that's that that'll just do yeah, it for you. I don't think anybody has perfected the auto shift yet. Although on my primary bike I have moved to electronic shifting. So, so how, how's that different? So there's a a motor in the derailleurs. And so really you're just clicking a button. Oh, gotcha, it's not gotcha. mechanical yeah, at that level. It it just sends a signal down to the motor to change the gear, and that works much faster. It's more precision, but uh, it's expensive. Yeah, as with anything <laughs> bike related. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do have my old school fixed gear bike with just the one gear. And no free wheel, so you got to pedal constantly. Yeah, how does that work? Like, so braking-wise, are you pushing back on the pedal to brake like you do old school, or do you have handbrakes? Theoretically, you could do that. Uh, my knees probably don't want to deal with that. So <laughs> yeah. I actually have handbrake is the standard mechanical brakes, mm-hmm. although... Uh, I don't have disc brakes. That's a big technology thing on bicycles now is going to a disc brake. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, for me, if you're just around the city on a fixed gear bike, not moving too fast, then you can probably backpedal to stop. If all of a sudden you're going down a steep hill, though, at 30 miles an hour, you're not going to be able to, <laughs> to stop with a backpedal force. So, yeah, 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 and you know, it's not not 10 speed anymore, Jim, because that was kind of you know, two up front and five in the back. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you look at, for example, uh, Shimano Dura Ace would be two up front and 12 in the back, 24 mm-hmm. speed. Um, some people will set up three chain rings in the front, so you might have three by 11 in the back or 33 different gears to choose from. So I've seen three and six. So three up front, six in the yeah. back for 18. Yeah. But no, I think the, the best you can do is probably the three 33. It'd be about 
the limit. Theoretically, you could do 36 because uh, part of it becomes uh, just the wheel spacing, right? For <laughs> I, I think I said three in the front and six in the back. <laughs> Justin said that reminds him of a mullet business in the front part. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we're sort of hitting the limits right now because what they started to do is make the cogs in the back thinner and thinner and running thinner and thinner chains. And at some point, you're not going to have enough strength in the chain mm -hmm. if you make it too thin and you just really are not going to have space to fit any more back there. So. 12 is it for now, but you know how all this stuff goes. When you think it's reached its limit, somebody will figure out a way to get more out of it. So, yeah. Do you need that? I mean, 30 gears, like, do, do you really need that many? Turns out there's some overlap even. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. but uh, it depends where you're riding, right? If I, if I were out to, ride over mountains, not being a professional cyclist, I might want the three in the front to have a really low gear to keep moving up a mountain. Mm -hmm. But uh, they did some things on the front where they have a compact gearing now. So the big chain ring isn't as big as it used to be. And then, you know, you can select different cog sizes in the back yeah. that'll give you with two chain rings enough gearing for a, a recreational cyclist to handle pretty much whatever they come across as a, a more recreational guy is not going to decide to ride up a mountain well he might you get to make it a crazy guy like me who might try <laughs> you know but most in most cases no you know, listen, uh, right. I'm the guy who tried to take the B-cycle bike, you know, our city rental bikes. I yeah. tried to take that on a 50 mile bike ride and uh, <laughs> with nothing, no hydration, no just food, go right. No ID. Didn't even have my phone with me. I was just going to go. And I thought, well, I mean, you know, one thing led to another. I was going to go 10 and then I thought, well, I'll try 20. Well, 25 is not that far. And then I get out 25 and I'm like, well, man, I'm there until I turn yeah. around. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not there. Like, John I says go 25 back. John says you'll go halfway up the mountain. Uh, I know. As it turns out, that's fine because you get to go downhill on <laughs> on the way back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, right. Jim, is the Tour de France making you want to ride up Alpe d'Huez? Or no, no. <laughs> Those guys look miserable. You know. And they get to the end and they're just spent. What I can't imagine is they, they get to the end and um, they, they're spent and then they do it again the next day. Like, yeah, they look like at the end of a race where they're going to be, you know, they'd recover for a week. Nope. They're going to ride the next day. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I went on a bike tour in France. That's probably almost 20 years ago. And yeah, we rode up one of the, uh, Tour, Tour de France climbs Mount Vaughn too. And the, the thing you forget is that uh, it's very high elevation. By the yeah. time you're most tired, you're out of oxygen too. Yeah. And yeah. then you ride past the tree line and, and things, things get uh, 
a little funky looking up yeah. there too. Yeah. It's it's it is miserable. We did Mount Evans in Colorado, and you start at ten and you finish at fourteen. Yeah, and you're just out of air. Like you just you're not us lowlanders. You know, Nebraska is like eight hundred, <laughs> right? <laughs> so us lowlanders were like, yeah, we're not. You know, we're not we're not making it very well. But it, Jim, it can, it, any, it, can, it can be a lot of fun riding down those mountains. It's great riding down those mountains. Well, like I mean, we, it's scary. I think the top speed I ever got on a bicycle was fifty-two miles an hour. Oof, yeah, that's a little fast. <laughs> a, a motorcycle passed me, and I'm thinking, well, he's got a much better helmet than I've got. Mine seems pretty skimpy. If you if you go down, it's going to leave a mark for sure. Well, then you start thinking, well, what if I hit a squirrel? Right. <laughs> what happens? Right. Then? <laughs> right. When I when I was in high school, we biked San Jose to Tahoe, and that's just all mm. uphill. Like you yeah. know, you start San Jose's four hundred feet. You then you you know, but you got to cross one mountain range to go into the Central Valley, and then you make your way up the the Sierra Nevada yeah. mountains. And that first day, we went San Jose to Stockton, which is about 100 miles. And mm. so it's a 100-mile day. You climb all morning. So it's even more than that. You climb to about two, right? Because yep. it's just climbing, climbing, climbing. And then the ride into Stockton is like 10 minutes. Because <laughs> it's all, <laughs> it is literally all downhill. And you just fly and you're like, man, I got, you know, I just did 40 miles in an hour. Because, yeah, yeah, you're going 40 miles an hour. It's pretty great. Did you ever find, though, going up a mountain, you know, depending on the contour of the mountain, sometimes yeah. you'll lose elevation. And that made me inordinately angry. It's like, yeah. I've just been going, why are you making me go down at all? I'm just exactly. trying to get up to the top. Exactly. Yeah. Evans had a half mile or three quarters of a mile downhill. And yeah, you're like, oh, why? it seems like it would be great. And then you're like, no, I know I'm going to have to pay for that. Well, you got to do it twice effectively. <laughs> On the backside, John Big says I did 55 miles per hour when I was 14, right after I got my first speedometer on a tar and chip road in front of my house. No helmet, no pads. Then he says, I'd never do anything like that again. No. no. The no. other problem with the mountains is uh, when you're coming down, they tend to have some pretty sharp turns. Right. So he, Which isn't bad when you're going up. Like when no, you're climbing up. Switchbacks like, going up yeah, are fine. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> then on the way down, you're like, ooh, yeah. scary. <laughs> <laughs> you're putting the brakes on to slow that thing down. Yeah, I, I've had some scary. I was, when I was doing this ride, San Jose to Tahoe in my, in, during high school, I had a couple riders who had been practicing for this. And then they were like, this is the crazy thing when you're a teenager. These guys had been, you know, and they were probably in their thirties. They had been yeah. training for this thing for like three months. And then I was like, can I ride with you? And I did a century. <laughs> no, I just on a, like somebody loaned me a bike and yeah, it was a pretty here. good bike, yeah. but I got on, I didn't think about nutrition or, no. or hydration. I just rode for a hundred miles, you know? <laughs> and you're like, I did that in a day. I know I didn't ride the next day and they did. Right. That's yeah. the difference is I sat in the van the next day as they climbed and climbed and climbed to Tahoe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. on some of the bike tours that, that was the hardest thing that I did is, you know, you ride 120 miles and then you got to get up the next day and ride another hundred. 
That was tough. It'd take about 30 miles in before you felt like, okay, everything's moving right again. Yeah, that morning, that first morning back on, you're like, what? You're you're in your brain. You're like, yeah. what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking on this one? Well, Ed, before I ask you about this e-bike, anything, oh uh, anything, yeah, anything else that uh, that we might have missed in there that uh, uh, you think as we think a, about bike tech? Anybody considering cycling should uh, have a look at a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> and the technology's come a long way with helmets, too. Um, again, all price points, I think. The most recent one I bought was maybe a $300 one, but... It, it looks like it's more vents than it is helmet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is uh, just recuperating their research and development costs. <laughs> so what you'll find is, you know, last year's great helmet, you know, will drop a hundred bucks and be second in the lineup. So there's a lot of good options out there and they're much better ventilated than they used to be. Yeah, well, and would you, are you a gloves guy? Do you like to have gloves on? Always, always gloves. It it gives you a little bit of padding and it depends on where you're riding, but some of the the terrain gets kind of rough. So, yeah, and always cycling shoes for me clipped in, but uh, it's not 100% necessary. And I bought the retro ones that fit your tennis shoes. So yeah. like, you know, that, and those, the, you know, I wouldn't clip in, but I would put those in and that always was good enough for what I was doing. Yeah. I, I think it is good enough. People who go to, uh, you know, oddly, those are called the clipless pedals, even though you <laughs> right. clip in, but yeah. that's yeah. just because on the old ones, they had metal clips. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, to ho- hold your foot on yep. the pedal. Yep. And people who first go clipless always tip over, mm. right? It's just they'll stop and then start to panic and not quite remember how to get their foot out of there. And you just see them <laughs> flip over. <laughs> it's like a and slow. Then, then as long as they didn't break anything, you can start laughing at them at that point. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to turn on the clips, right? You got to turn yeah. your, you got to turn heel your in or out. Usually, yeah. out makes yeah. more sense to me, yeah. right? Yeah, but yeah. And yeah, so just like anything else, it becomes second nature. But first few times can be scary. Yeah, I I think if I were going to go now, uh, I would just do, um, I just do those foot, you know, the foot, the foot clips, the. Yeah, clipless, clipless. Is that what they call it? clipless? Is that what you said? The well, ones the, for, you can just put your shoe in, and it'll just it holds your shoe in place instead yeah. of so clipping in. That's the old school with the clip right. and straps. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah and the that's... same sort of thing. I mean, because again, depending on terrain, it, it's just holding your foot against that pedal. Yeah, um, you know, on the the clipless ones. A lot of it is you get more pedaling efficiency by pushing and pulling. Right. Right. So you're actually getting more efficiency out of it on the clipless pedals. But for the average person, who cares? 
yeah. For <laughs> for me for a guy like me, especially let's look at this commuter bike uh, that I'm thinking about. So oh. I was watching YouTube and this guy that I watched for he's a uh, he was testing all these T-Mobile routers for, uh, and I'd subscribe to his channel because he was, you know, showing me these routers and stuff. And, you know, I, that's the way I went for my internet. So I was, following. yeah. Then he pops in one day with this, with this e-bike and he's like, you know, Hey, this is, this is pretty interesting. This is a, whoops. This is a, um, company called, uh, uh, Jason, J A S I O N, J. Would you say Jason? How, how do you think no, you pronounce that? S I O N, Jason, Jason, something like that. J A S I O N. It's a company. Let's call it Jason. I like that. I like that. And they've got two different models. They've got this EB5, which is kind of a commuter bike. It's got a battery on the frame. You can see here that. They'll, they'll say it's up to 16 miles, which it'll give you pedal assist for up to 16 miles. Yep. Um, they, they make and sell the, 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 com, you know, all the components for it. They've got a, uh, they've got a smaller, and I don't know what you would call these, these folding flat or fat tire electric yeah. bikes that for commuters who want to fold it down and take it with them on the train or whatever. And then maybe, right. Fold or it when they... maybe you have limited storage at your office or whatever yeah. the, the case may yeah. be. Want to fold it down. I'm not sure I'd go 10 miles on a bike, little tiny tires and, <laughs> and, you know, and, and fat, um, tires. Right. but you'd feel kind yeah. of like a clown on that one. Wouldn't you? I think I with would. the tiny little wheels. <laughs> I think I would. If I, I think I would listen. If I lived downtown and I worked downtown yeah. and I needed to commute two miles, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd jump on that thing. Like you know, it folds down or whatever. Or if I needed something where I needed to fold it down and take it with me. But this, the 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 beauty on these prices, and and Brian just you know mentioned this in chat. It's like these things are eight. They're under eight hundred bucks. Seven nineteen right. for this for this bike. And, um, again, I, I live 10 miles from where I work. I, I have driven, I, I mean, I have ridden in before yeah. it's a hilly, it's not flat. It's a little hilly. It'd be nice to have the electric assist on it. I've never had that before. I was riding our B cycles here in town and those had electric assist and it was kind of nice, you yeah. know? So for, I don't know, Ed, for 800 bucks, you know, we, I'd have to watch some reviews and what, right. what, what, what kind of advice would you give me the, as a bike guy? Do they have any more info on specs of the thing or it's, you just get a picture and you buy? Oh, that's a good question. Let's see if we get, here's some battery, here's some battery information, three levels of assist. So it's got a 36 volt, 10 uh, amp hour, if you say it that way, battery capacity, three level pedal assist, five or six hours to a full charge, which mm-hmm. in theory, go in in the morning, use all of the power or most of it, put it, charge it at work. Then, then I'd have the battery back, you know, when I got home and that would work about 40 miles per charge. What they're saying, Ooh, I'm getting close. Max load 264 on this thing. I'm getting close at 240. Yeah, you, so you, you can't bring much with you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got maybe 20 pounds in there to uh to work with. Maybe right. And, lose some weight. and you figured okay, 40 miles per charge. Yeah. If you get half of that, you're still good. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's it's twelve, twelve. Yeah, and then you can charge at work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just plug it in at work, and it's got a little LED display to give you some information. I'm sure it's not that fancy, but you you get a little bit of you don't you get a a little bit of that. Here's less pedaling, more power is what they say. It's built into the hub. I like that. that. Three mining. Let's see what else we get. Uh, front suspension, pr- uh, pretty strong front suspension forks, mechanical disc brakes you were talking about before, and then a Shimano seven-speed huh. derailleur. Interesting. Yeah. Here's some. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the the spec on the Shimano stuff is that their cheapest stuff right. doesn't make it bad. Right. I mean, it, it's still durable. Usually when you look at the bicycle componentry, yeah. All right. So scroll back a little bit. Because this is where you see it. E-bike weight, 49.6. At least it's not 50. Um, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's it's heavy. Okay. Right? So right. Um, right. inexpensive. Part of what you're getting when you spend more money is lighter weight. Now, the question is, does that matter once you're looking at an e-bike? Well, a lot less, right? <laughs> so, you know, my road bike probably weighs, I don't know, 20 pounds or something, but battery's going to add weight to it. I don't I, know. It's, I would uh, imagine a lot of weight to yeah. it. It's they really the, a, a tempting price there. There's it, a it lot kind, going on with it that. Kind, it kind of is, Brian has said, but the price doesn't include the $80 in shipping. And I think I had had a deal doesn't say here but on their main page i think they were offering free no no you're right yeah it's uh no i thought they were offering free shipping on some mm-hmm. of these maybe that maybe that was through a link a youtube link that this guy gave me i'll have to go in and, and well, find that certainly you know well Jim, it is free shipping when you pay regular price of seven ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that yeah. might be a better way for them to, to do well, it. Well, you can, right? and you can. I think I thought you could buy it on Amazon cheaper, but there was more. Like you can buy this on Amazon a little bit cheaper, but then there is shipping there. Oh, um, really? No problem. So, yeah, yeah. Well, Brian had said not not for this one. Just typed into Amazon, so it's currently on sale for six hundred there. But uh-huh. oh. I see six hundred there, but but that price doesn't include the eighty dollars shipping. Ah, so, so it's still that's cheaper. on Amazon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think I think I could even get a better price than the seven nineteen if I use this YouTubers like I use a YouTuber code or something to get right something in there. So, yeah, so I'm assuming it must be a, a made in China and branded with this company name. Y- you would think. Yeah. You? I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, w- I'm going to put the name of it in the show notes. Maybe I should ping him and say, Hey, I talked about this, you know, <laughs> you ought to Love send to me one. It. To, you're going to become a reviewer now. <laughs> 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 well, for a free e-bike, I'll do a review. It's 800 bucks. I've, I've, I've seen, uh, I mean, I think I got a Drobo sent to me that was worth more than that. So right. you, know, you, you never know. Well, you know, one of the folks I, do a podcast with a, a comedian named Jimmy Dunn just bought an e-bike, but his was four thousand dollars. 
Yeah, they're the the higher end ones are higher really end. They'll go, you know, four to eight thousand dollar range. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think I saw something that said uh, most of the bikes being sold are in the five hundred to eight hundred dollar range. So people are buying in expensive ones. Yeah, you know. Well, for <clears throat> for eight thousand bucks, I could buy a moped. You know, be fully just, you know, be fully, um, you know, not, not even pedaling. Justin says, looking at six to 8,000. Well, this is what caught my eye because of course the pandemic drove up the prices of these e-bikes. A lot of folks were buying them during this, you know, and I'll be honest, I mean, I rode a regular bike to work and it's just fine. Like it, that's not just fine. You know, I think it's nice nice to have the assist though why not yeah yeah doesn't yeah. mean you have to you'll get a good workout on a 50 pound bike if you don't use <laughs> electric yeah if you assist. run out of battery you are because so what do you think you know a really good bike is i mean a good bike 20 pounds these are 50 what's mm. your average like what's your average bike weight do you think i would guess um if you're spending for a road bike to get you to uh, a quality bike is it's really running you a thousand dollars. Yeah. But what about no, weight? What's the weight on that bike? So in that thousand dollar range, I bet yeah. it's a uh, 27, 28 okay. pounds. So this would be double a regular bike. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah. you got the electric assist. Yeah, but does that just put you back to where you were with a regular bike, right? I I think a lot of it is, you know, what's the goal? If the goal is to use it to commute to work, I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm. I mean, if the goal is to use it for fitness, well, then don't get an (laughs) e-bike. The point is to pedal the bike. (laughs) True, true. But I, I did use the e-bikes. Like I could, I could still get a lot of fitness out of the, the city e-bikes that they had. And I could go farther and a little bit faster. It wasn't like now when I rode the regular bikes, like that was a great workout. That was like a hill climb, you know, ride a city bike. That's those things are probably 30 or 40 pounds with no assist. Oh yeah. Those are heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd see, uh, the people obsessed with the weight of their road bike and you know they'd be telling you well I, i've got this down to uh 17 pounds and it'd be like well dude you're 20 pounds overweight <laughs> maybe <laughs> you might want to skip a sandwich and not buy all the titanium hardware to put on the bike <laughs> might be a little cheaper just to lose some weight it always is cheaper because you know, the people who really pursued the, how do I get lighter and lighter? Um, they would be looking at what's the cost per gram of weight reduction to buy this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's a lot per gram. You know, so they were looking at grams on things and, yeah. uh, for me, not that interested. I need it to be durable. And if it's lightweight and durable, that's ideal. Mm-hmm. Titanium well, is cool, Justin says, and I, I agree. That's why I have a titanium frame. But uh, 
But it's sort of carbon fiber, the cool thing now. Yeah. Titanium has fallen out of favor. You know, you're going to make, well, and frankly, um, you can make a lighter aluminum bike than titanium bike, but, uh, titanium's more durable than mm-hmm. aluminum is mm-hmm. and more fixable. If you, you know, end up denting something, you can yeah. go in and fix it. But yeah, I mean, carbon fiber is going to get you a lighter bike. And it, again, though, is not as durable. Um, when I had <clears throat> my fixed gear built, uh, the bike builder said, yeah, the problem is uh, I can't sell titanium anymore. I, I tell these guys it'll last forever, and they're not interested in that. They want to buy new stuff <laughs> every couple of years. Yeah. yeah. But mine, uh, you know, looks like brand new after 15 years. So it will outlast me, Jim. Well, You'll have to pass it. You'll have to pass it along to somebody. Uh, I'll make a note in the will. I got to figure it. Uh, <laughs> do, do you need it, Jim? We're about the same uh, height, right? Uh, yeah, we're, we are. Yeah, yeah. you never know. I, so it'll just show up. I'll get some random call from an attorney. Yeah, you, hey, you got to yeah. come pick up this bike. <laughs> <laughs> you got something in the will. <laughs> Can you come out to Boston and pick up this bike? We can't ship it to you. You're going to have to come out and pick it up. Jim, I'll specify that they should take money from the estate to ship it to you. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. I'd, listen, there's no point in giving people things when it comes with some effort on your part. Well, maybe it's like I, I do a Boston to Omaha you know, oh, just, ride in your, in I'll your, say, you know, in your name. You know. Right. That'll be my, my, my the, final the gift to you. I'll, I'll send you a plane ticket. And, one and way. You'll have to yeah, ride one it home. Ride it back. It's the, the Ed Sullivan, uh, got how many miles that's, that's, uh, I mean, I drove it. So it's, a, I mean, it's, it's two full days going full speed. Yeah. Uh, hold on. We'll see. You think you can make it? It'd be a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, uh, it would be a couple. Well, they give me airline. Uh, fourteen hundred miles. Uh, Justin says it needs to be loaded with cigars. <laughs> yeah, if if it could have a cigar attachment on the front that would actually hold my cigar while I'm biking, and then maybe a a, a saddle for the back where I could put a humidor, a rack. And we'll put this travel humidor just on the back of the bike. There you this go. One, this one will hold 30 cigars for you, Jim. That's good. Will That's that get you need. back home? Uh, oh, that could be questionable. It's a long, I mean, how many, let's see, hold on. Let's do the, let's, let's click on the directions. I've got this up on Google. Let's look at the directions. And then they have a bike. They have a cycling option, right? On the around the other car, bus, walk. Oh, right. Click that so bike and see how long it's going to take. You. Uh, well, if, if I'm riding a bike, it's 1,562 miles because you can't, can't go right. interstate. And uh, 131 hours. If I did it straight. Like, you yeah, know. you might want to sleep occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> you have a rest. <laughs> well, that's probably two weeks, maybe two or three weeks. Uh, um, let's see. I, I mean, realistically, we'll have you ride uh, six hours per day. Mm-hmm. 
and you probably still want a rest day. So it's going to take you a while. Jim. It's going to be three weeks to pick up the bike. Three or four weeks, maybe. And Brian, yeah, Ed is in the Boston area. Um, I'm actually uh, right next to historic Concord, Mass. My my normal bike ride takes me by that Old North Bridge. So, in fact, uh, it was one time on uh, it was on Patriots Day, and I was riding my bike through Concord Center. And they do all these reenactments on the holidays. Mm-hmm. I almost got bayoneted <laughs> by a red coat who was busy looking at his phone. He's just looking at his phone with a bayonet <laughs> sticking out into the road. <laughs> and I thought, okay, holidays are not the best time to no, ride in no. Concord. No, especially with red coats. The especially red, coats, with red uh, coats, they come out. They sure the, do. The Boston ride would take me through uh, Western Mass, which is beautiful. I did that. But Gorgeous. A lot of pretty, hills in the hilly, Yeah, Very hilly back in there through Albany. And then you head up through Rome and come down to Syracuse, mm-hmm. out through Rochester and into Buffalo, and then all the way down Lake Erie to Cleveland. I'd probably step to stay with some family down there. And then out across uh, Ohio, you know, you pretty much go through Ohio, just south of Toledo, across, straight across into Chicago, and then right across um, through Des Moines and and uh, into Omaha. So there you go. There's your 1,562 miles, all for a free bike. And Brian says his brother-in-law just moved to Woburn. And that is not Woburn, it's Woburn. Ooh. <laughs> Woburn. Woburn. Ooh. And Jim, our our friend Chef Charlie's opening a new restaurant in Woburn now. Oh, nice! Yeah, Brian will have to check that out when yeah. he's visiting. Yeah, you got to go see Chef for sure. He's <laughs> he has you don't just don't ask him about me. He doesn't have a high opinion of me because I. Uh, he, I, <laughs> I don't know, Jim. You probably don't want to be saying what you did. I just it was couldn't. a sin. It was. It was. I do it differently. If I was at, I'd do it. If if I had yeah. a second chance at it, <laughs> you'd do I'd it differently. Do, I'd do it differently. Do, well, we might it. give you another chance one day, Jim. Yeah, maybe someday. Don't you got to earn it. <laughs> I'll have to, this time. I'll have to buy it. So it'll be it'll All be right. uh, then when you can I come do whatever out, you want. It'll be on me. Yeah, but no, I can't. I still got to finish it. Maybe you know yeah. that's yeah. So mm. um, well, good enough. Add anything else before I wrap it up here? Uh, no, I think we've said everything and more than needs to be said about cycling for a crowd that may not care. They probably don't, oh, but, but <laughs> we've made them the, uh, they are the bike authority at this point, That's right? That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming out and, uh, and joining me some good conversation around. I, I, I do find, I mean, again, it got me, I, I was looking at this bike not thinking about us having this conversation, but I think it's one of those things, you know, there's a lot, of, I'm sure there's a lot of folks and I, I really need to get back on the road with something I, I need to, I've been walking every day, which has been good, yeah. but uh, I'd like to kind of get, I'd like to get back into some more. Yeah. And yeah, for me, it's all exercise. So I'm not looking to electrify yet, right. but it right. looks like there are just 
a mind-boggling number of choices out there in e-bikes. And well, and they're pretty expensive, and I'm sure they're not going to get any cheaper. No, there was talk if they ever got the um, rebates back in for cars, there was talk of adding rebates for e-bikes too. Oh. Mm-hmm. There was oh, talk. Yeah, yeah. Don't wait. I don't think it's oh, ever going to happen. Nah, you're probably right. <laughs> you're you're probably right. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. Hang tight with me here for. One second, uh, if you want to join us in the Discord group, a lot of the conversation was just taken to Discord if you want to do it there. Of course, it was just Prime Day, and there was tons of deals going on, and they all got posted to the Discord group. So you want to join us over there, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. If you want to leave a message for the show, uh, you can send that to me or record it at homegadgetgeeks.com. There's a little blue recording button over there and leave us a message. Send me an email, too. After you leave that message, just send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv, to let me know you've done that. And, or if you got any feedback on the show, you want to harass Ed or you got some kind of counterpoint, Ed always yeah. appreciates, you know, some spirited dialogue. Sure. So, yeah. If you got something there, uh, uh, Jim at the average guy.tv. And then don't forget the average guy.tv powered by Maple Grove Partners. You know, that's Christian. Get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. At least I trust them. They run the average guy.tv and they do a pretty great job. You could as well for more information and plans that start as 10 bucks. Listen, he hasn't raised his prices, even though inflation has kicked in fully. Uh, he has not raised his prices yet. And you get those locked in maplegrovepartners.com. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. We got a couple great shows coming up, a couple more guests. If you missed last week, you want to go back and listen to that. Dave, uh, Dave joined us from, from uh, Deep Sentinel. And uh, some interesting conversation around AI, kind of AI-based um, home security. And then next week, I have another guest you've never met before. So you want to head out and come in here. Uh, Karn is coming on. We're going to talk a little bit about domain and kind of the domain infrastructure and what we're doing around. You know, there's all these weird domain names now. I'm going to ask the question, do we really need them all? So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that next week. Uh, and then Akarsh is back. He he was on and we had a total fail of hardware and uh, here or the Internet wouldn't work for me. So he's coming back and he's got a cool little speaker uh, that you can put in your home in your home for whole home audio. And, and so those are all coming up. Dan LeFebvre will join us here. So some new guests and some old one. Aaron Lawrence is coming back. Ed, your your favorite, right? You Do we know what she's going to tell me to buy next year? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have to, as we get closer to it, uh, I'll, I'll make sure you tell me what you want and I'll just tell her to talk about All it. All right. So, so you go ahead and buy. Maybe, maybe buy you should it. just tell her e-bikes and let, let her do the research for you. <laughs> when you're done with it, can you have them send it down to me so I can ride that thing? I'd ride the heck out of that thing. Uh, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for coming out. Those listening live, thanks for coming out. With that, we'll say goodbye.